we're your hosts, Hugh and Adrian. I'm an investment professional with an MBA in finance. And I'm Adrian, a financial counselor, and I help my clients establish and reach their wealth saver financial goals. Tailored Wealth Saver Podcast is here to bring you tailored stories that will educate and inspire you on how to enjoy life, grow wealth, and become a wealth saver. Welcome back, wealth saver. We have an exciting episode with our real estate resident expert, Carl McGarvey, who is back to talk with us about the housing market. Right now is such an exciting time. We've talked about inflation. We've talked about all this stuff that's going on in the current market. But especially right now, the way this housing is going, people say there's going to be a housing bubble, things of that sort. So we have our real estate resident expert, Carl, back with us from season one. Welcome back, Carl. Thanks for having me again, guys. Glad to be here. Yes, we are yeah, glad to have we're you. Super glad yeah. you're here. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a few uh, months. I was wondering, but this is yeah, I'm excited. This is cool. It's a fun time to talk about real estate. Yeah, I guess if we're gonna kick things off, I mean, the last time we had you on, we were, you were giving us some really great housing hacks, and uh, if I remember correctly, you were in the Houston Galveston area, right? Yep. Yep. Uh, right now, mostly Galveston. I can tell you, in the sales I've done this year. Um, most of it is uh, short-term rental uh, type properties down on Galveston Island. People trying to capitalize on the tourism and the recent boom in the short-term rental market. Great. So I kind of want to get caught up. So what does that market look like these days? Hot. Uh, <laughs> um, <clears throat> you know, I think uh, December, January, I, I won't say it cooled off, but we saw things slow down a little bit. I think that was a time of year. Um nobody's really wanting to move right about the middle of February. We saw things take off again in Houston. Um, I've seen things I've never seen before. We have people that are what I'm calling pre-selling their houses. They're listing their houses for sale and saying that they don't want to close until May 31st, uh, which to me instantly says they're moving for the school year. Um, and they're pre-selling the house just in case interest rates go up. They want to make sure they're getting top dollar, uh, and, and the price they want now, just in case something were to happen. Um, so some really crazy things happening. I was at a house yesterday, $500,000 on Galveston Island. I was hoping that price point might squeeze a few people out. And the second I closed the door and walked away from it, we were told multiple offers, at least five offers on the home within 24 hours, and that we were to have best and final in by tonight. So uh, once I'm done with you guys here, I'm going to write an offer for my client. Wow. It is go, go, go. <clears throat> if you're a buyer's agent right now. So speaking of this, um, what you just mentioned with the housing market, with the pre-sale, are people actually biting into this pre-sale or is it kind of slowing people down, would you think? No, I think, um, you know, people are still jumping on houses as quick as they can. Uh, and I think, you know, a month or two ago, we were still at that really low interest rate. The, the big percent jump happened early mid-April. Um, we still see people jumping on it again because the Fed said upwards of potentially six interest rate jumps this year. Um, you know, if you wait for jump four or five, we don't know where interest rates are going to be. So in my opinion, as a buyer's agent right now, um, the cheapest time to buy is still right now, today. So, uh, if you wait till tomorrow, you don't know what the Fed's going to do. All right. Well, before we keep going, we have uh, financial jargon. We just got tossed out. Fed sure. jump isn't the real term, but... <laughs> We all get it, right? So the Federal Reserve makes these changes uh, in their overnight rate or the borrowing rate that banks can basically borrow money against the government or from the government. Usually in the last 
two years, it's been held around zero to 0.25%. And then they can borrow it there and then repackage that money to us in the form of loans. Here in this case would be mortgages. So in the past, you might've seen mortgage rates around two to 3%. And now as the rates are increasing, the banks are saying, hey, it's costing us more to borrow this money. Now we have to charge you guys more to borrow this money as well. So when we're talking about six rate hikes, that's what we're talking about. They're raising the cost of the loans to the banks. So the banks then raise the costs to us. 100%. Now, Carl, so speaking of interest rate, I don't know if I'm jumping ahead slightly. Are you willing to talk about like other types of non-traditional lending, like outside of a bank that you've experienced as well? Sure. I think I know exactly what you're driving to. Um, maybe a property that we're closing on today by chance. That might be it. hundred <laughs> <laughs> percent. So yeah, I think, you know, as we, as we jump into this um, increase in interest rates, um, you know, for buyers and sellers, both, I think there's a, a cool chance to take advantage of owner financing possibilities. A lot of people have bought with cash here in the last couple of years at very low rates. Um, and, and, uh, so we're taking advantage of that as well. We have currently four doors and two of them were offloading um, and, and we're buy and hold for sure. But in this case, the values of properties went up so fast and we were able to pay them off so quickly. Um, we are actually going to owner finance and owner financing or seller financing is when the owner of the property then becomes the lender for the new buyer. So on the condo that we're closing today that we're selling, we actually bought it only 12 months ago. Um, we're selling it today and we become the bank. So the new buyer will pay us a 30 year mortgage on that loan um, that we're extending to them. Now with that, how can, I guess, our listeners who might feel like, hey, I don't think this is something I can do. How can everyday people do this? Because you're literally, you're my neighbor, you're an everyday person, yep. unless there's some type of life I don't know about. Sure. No, uh, you know, you got to get a little bit creative. So um, on one of the condos, you know, I'm not sitting on hundreds of thousands of dollars of cash all the time. Uh, and that's specifically because I keep my money deployed into the market in some form or fashion so that money is making me money. Um, in this case, we saw an advantage to bring some of that cash back into our hands and redeploy it into these properties. Uh, and then the cash that I didn't have, I actually went to um, family members and provided them with an investment opportunity. And um ask them if they'd be interested in putting some cash into paying off that loan with me. And then I'm paying them money on that loan. So on one of the deals specifically, um, for example, we will be getting a monthly payment from the uh, new buyer of about $1,200 a month. And then I will be repaying that family member uh, for their loan, uh, 5% interest, I believe, which you know is a really good deal. Um, and then they'll take 250 bucks of that a month. So I'm still making money on my money. They're getting a chance to make money on some of their money. Um, and everybody's kind of in a winning scenario. But it's all about creativity. Going out there, finding people that are interested in investing um, is, is huge and building relationships. And in this case, we just happen to be lucky that we have a family member that wanted to be in real estate somehow. Uh, wasn't quite sure how, didn't want to worry about tenants or being a landlord. So this was the way we were able to offer them that opportunity. We mentioned earlier that there were an ex there were expectations of Fed rate hikes. Yep. In your experience, what has 
that or their effect had on rental properties? You know, I think right now we're still too young in the market to to see. Um, in general, rental properties, rental prices uh, for rent specifically are up in Houston over 10% in the last 12 months. Um, and that's without interest rate hikes, right? So this is with ex big expensive properties that people bought into um, and they have to raise the rents to be able to make money on the expensive properties that they just bought. And, and one of two things can happen. Either they raise the rents and everybody pays those rents um, and they make money or people can't pay those rents and people that bought those properties now can't pay for their properties and we're gonna see um, foreclosures in the market. One of the two has to happen. Uh, in Galveston specifically, we've seen rates come up and people are paying. Um, even in the short-term rental market, uh, the condos that we bought were in the um, lower between 125 and 150 range uh, just 12 months ago, 125 to 150,000. A year later, we're seeing them sell for 240,000 plus in only a year. Um, we are seeing people raise rents drastically to be able to pay for that. Um, and people are still coming to Galveston. They're flocking, flocking down to us. And then in the long-term rental space, uh, rents have gone up. People are being forced to pay the rents. I think we're still a little too, too junior in the rate hikes to truly see the effect. I think if we talk again in 12 months, I could have a much different answer for you. So given what you're saying, it's still a decent time to get in. It's 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 the cheapest time to get in. You're going to see in the next few years. I think if if interest rates now, I think we just had a client get approved for five point seven five percent on an investment loan, which is still um, good uh, compared to history. I think that's the cheapest interest rate you're going to see in the next twelve months. I think it's a good time to buy and get in. Um, and I think that's going to continue to be the way, at least for the rest of the year, is the best time to buy is now because you don't know what the interest rate tomorrow is going to be. And this is all about cash flows. So let's remember that rental properties is, you know, obviously you have your capital asset, which is the home that you purchased. But then there's also the um, cash flows that come in from the rents themselves. So keep that in mind. Um, a lot of people want to be like, even to what Adrian was saying at the beginning, which is like a lot of people assuming, oh, maybe this is just a bubble and everything. Remember, there's when you do rentals, you're looking at your principal, your principal asset, which is your home, which is the home value. Then you have cash flows, which are your rentals, your rental you know, income that comes in, the cost of maintenance, things of that nature, taxes. So when you make those calculations, when Carl's explaining all this, He's talking about locking in the cost of your principal. If you're closing the cost of principal over time, as long as your cash flows um, produce a certain amount, they should net out positive for you in the long run. Yeah, 100%. Um, and one of the things I'm telling my investor clients right now is we've been very lucky in the investor real estate investing world too. Um, expect or assume we can make a certain cash on cash return. The magic number there for a few years that a lot of the quote unquote pros were telling people was to aim for 12%. So some sort of 12% cash on cash return in your pockets. Um, what I'm telling people now is prices have gotten so high that it, it's tough to get that in a lot of markets, especially a big city like Houston, where we have people flocking to invest because we have good landlord rules, um, big rental pool of, of, of renters to rent to. 
making things good for us as landlords. I'm telling people, if you can accept less than that and come down to like three or 5%, you're still making some money, but it's not necessarily beating the stock market. Understand that through appreciation and making that hedge on inflation in 10 years, that property theoretically based on history should be making you much more and should be worth more than it was today, even if we were to see rental, excuse me, property prices drop in the next year or two. Uh, if you look at the historical trends in 10 or 15 years, the properties will be worth more than you bought it for today. All right, Carl. So I have a question for you. And this kind of goes back to our first time we had you on. When we talked about the everyday millionaire next door and a little bit of house hacking. Yep. Um, for people that are starting out, they feel like, hey, I don't have the ability to do this. Like, I want to get into real estate. I don't have the ability. We talked about non-traditional ways of lending. We talked about house hacking. How can someone basically utilize house hacking to uh, give them the ability to get into real estate investing, if that makes sense? Sure. So the great thing about house hacking is you're going to get the property that you are quote unquote investing in with a primary conventional loan. It's gonna be a primary rate, not an investment rate, which is typically about a percent less than investment loan because it's your primary residence and you'll be uh, potentially renting out rooms. The mortgage banker is going to give you that loan like it's your primary residence. Um, and then you just hold that property until you're ready to move on to the next one. Most of the lenders that I've seen require you to occupy that property for 12 months and then you can move on again. If you don't have a lot of cash in your pockets, remember you don't have to put 20% down on a property. An FHA loan is going to allow you to only put 3.5% down. And that's also going to allow for people with a little bit lower credit scores to get into primary residence home loans. And then if you can qualify for a conventional loan, you can put as little as 5% down. You're going to pay PMI um, for a little while. But as long as your renters are covering the bills, that PMI is nothing to you. Um, and then in 12 months, you move on, you put another 5% down to your next property and you just keep rolling. And eventually that, that uh, income becomes exponential. And then you can use that income to be able to get into the other, like this lending that you're talking about, the home. hundred percent. So everything we've used to get to where we're at now, you know, when we bought our first condo in 2020, we put 36,000 of our own money in, um, you know, that was our 25% down on the unit. And then we moved on for property number two, the down payment that we did with our LLC, all of the money we put into that property was profit from the first condo that it made in its first year. And then on our third property, down payment was profits from both of the other two. Um, so even in our first three properties, the money's already rolling in to make them to make everything pay for itself. And now I have all of the money we would have been saving from our W-2 jobs to put into real estate, we can put towards either other types of assets, other investments, or uh, real estate. So we're, we're just opening up options for ourselves. I think it's important to remember that, you know, in the first three years, some of the things we've seen are not typical. Um, it's important to play the long game and understand that as long as you're making strides towards the end goal, um, you know, all, all good things will come. Uh, it's just about trusting the process. So I have a general question here that maybe is a little bit different, but I'm thinking about, you know, people here and that keep coming back to me and say, well, I don't know, like, even like you said earlier, even if these home prices go down, 
but I'm worried about home prices go down. How do I make this strategy work if I think home prices are going to fall? So home prices only affect you if you're selling the property, right? Um, if you buy the property today, 350000 and next year it's worth 275000 that number only affects you if you're going to sell your property. If you need to sell the property, you should, in my opinion, be looking to hold these properties 5, 10, 15 years. That's buy and hold investing, how you really take advantage of inflation and appreciation. Um, that way you can outlast small market dips. Um, in terms of if rental prices were to go down with home prices, it's important to have an emergency fund or some sort of reserves for your rental to get you through maybe some of those hard times. Um, but I think in general, there's a lot of renters still out there looking to rent. So at the very least, you're going to have people filling your house. Maybe in a year or two, the price goes down a little bit. But overall, with appreciation and inflation, you're going to see returns in the positive over the five to 10 year mark. And that is based off of the idea or the, the basis, which is the loans that you're taking out. And you and those types of loans can change. So wild savers, what I'm getting to here is that a mortgage for most of them are fixed rate, meaning you get a fixed rate, you have a fixed payment, you, that number does not change. It never changes. You have to make that same, let's say it's $1,000 a month whether you pay down half the principal on the property, meaning you've, the property is worth 100,000, you paid 50,000 off after starting the, the mortgage loan at 100,000, you still pay a thousand bucks a month. So that is, that's where that whole, okay, the value change in the home doesn't actually affect it. There's, there's, that payment will stay the same. So your real concern then is worrying about, hey, can I still get the rents I'm looking for? And can my rent still cover the costs? And just like Carl was suggesting, even as a, as a landlord, you do need to be careful making sure that you set aside some, some money for you know, turnover, for maintenance and repairs. And then obviously in the case that there may be a rental demand decrease, to make sure that you can still cover those costs for a short amount of time based off of the expectations that there are going to be fluctuations in the rental market. Yeah, hundred percent. I think I think that's one of the things that a lot of um, new investors overlook is the fact that you are running a business. Um, real estate investing is fun and it's popular, and you hear about it everywhere right now. But just like any other business, has to have cash set aside for a bad day. Um, any of the airlines, you know, we just saw it with COVID, take big hits. The same thing can happen in real estate, and it's just about um, outlasting that dip and and setting your business up to be prepared for it. And basic personal finance one-on-one, always having that emergency fund. Like you always need cash on hand. Is there a time and place for either a variable rate strategy or possibly um, one, like you suggested, basically pairing out tranches within your, your uh, asset to other partners? Yeah, so I've actually seen a couple of lenders offering the adjustable rate mortgages, kind of pushing them a little bit right now to clients as a interest rates are going up. Um, we can get you this rate now. And then hopefully in that five or 10 year mark, whatever the adjustable rate term is, they may come back down. Huge risk. And it doesn't allow you to set up your business um, with huge uh, 
um, certainties. Pretty, yeah, certainties, exactly. You can't make assumptions, right? Because at a certain point, you're now forced into a refinance, whether you like it or not, um, with that new rate. So um, everybody has their techniques on how like they like to run their business. I'm big on making things predictable to be able to become risk adverse. And if I know what my numbers are 5, 10, 15 years down the road, uh, I can plan for that. With the adjustable rates, I can't. So I don't have a good strategy for that yet. Um, one of the things I will say is, uh, and, and you talked about it, um, as you pay principal down over the 5, 10, 15 year mark, and remember it's your renters paying the principal down, not you, you're going to get equity in that property. Even if the value drops, you're going to gain equity, right? So um, one of the things that a lot of investors have been using recently are HELOCs, um, home equity lines of credit, which also give you access to cash through your bank because of the value of your home. So in 10 years, when that home is worth more, you now have access to extra money um, that's kind of, you know, virtual in a sense that you don't actually have it, but the lender is willing to give it to you to expand your portfolio hundred percent based on the value of that home. You're also going to get access to stuff like that later, um, which is another reason why I'm not jumping on adjustable rates yet, because I know even with fixed rates, as people pay down my principal, I have access to more money later with, with less risk. Yep. And the HELOCs do a great job. So people, if you're listening to like the mortgage strategy and you're thinking, okay, this might be, although it is risk averse and it gives you more predictability, the HELOC is more like for everybody out there, it'll sound a lot like a credit card line. So you'll be able to pull the credit card, uh, like you pay for something and it adds up and tallies into your account. And then it accumulates the interest on a daily basis of the average, the daily average basically. So just like the credit card does, but you're instead of just having your credit card be against your, you know, your credit score here, we're putting it against your home. So your rate tends to be a little bit lower, but the other benefit to this, unlike a mortgage is mortgage, you pay that thousand dollars a month. Remember with a HELOC, if you're asked the amount that you borrowed was a hundred thousand, but as you pay down the interest or the payment that you actually owe decreases with it. So yep. that's a little bit of the difference. However, you do take on more risk on that because again, if your cash flows change and they don't meet, then your debt accumulates because the interest will accumulate. Yep. Um, yeah, they, there is risk to it as with any any leveraging, right? Uh, we were talking about margin loans earlier and, and maybe some of the risk um, with a margin call being associated with that. And that's actually, you know, we sold two condos one of the ways we paid off one of the condos was a margin personal line of credit through who I hold all of our retirement funds through. Um, they allow me to take a line of credit against my savings up to 50% of what I have for them, um, which is great for them because they're getting interest uh, and, and they're protected because if I decide not to pay that off, they have my money to pay it off with. Uh, and it's great for me because I had cash in my account two hours after I asked for it to go pay off a property to be able to then um, sell it the next day. So it provided flexibility. I won't say there are certain things um, like lines of credit are great for long-term financing, but they provide access to cash that might make you powerful in, in a market that's tough for a buyer now. Um, if you have a backup plan on the backside that may take 30, 45 days, but it gives you that chance to make the move now. Love it. So another, just another way, Wealth Savers, that you can build wealth. It doesn't necessarily just have to be traditional investing. There's so many types of ways 
Carl, thank you so much for joining us once again. And I'm sure our puppies will see each other in the backyard in about yeah. five, 10 minutes. I said, next time we do this, Adrian and I are going to be in the same room and Q's going to be the odd man out since, <laughs> since we live 20 feet from each other. <laughs> All right, Carl. Well, thank you so much for joining. Well, Savers, hope you enjoy. If you did not already listen to our house hacking episode from season one, please make sure you go back and listen to it. Carl dropped so many gems once again talking about house hacking and another way that you can literally become that everyday millionaire and just become a wealth saver. Carl, so for our listeners who are like, man, Carl has so much information. How can our listeners find out more information or just keep in touch with you? Sure. So if people want to get a hold of me, um, carlrmcgarvey at gmail.com is my email. Uh, I am very responsive to all emails I get. I go one by one through my emails and I always email people back. I also have a YouTube channel, Carl McGarvey Real Estate, where I talk about some investing techniques. I help out new agents and then I also post some goodies for buyers and sellers and things they should know, tips and tricks and how to navigate the market. Um, So either one of those, if you send me a message, I'm definitely going to respond. Yeah, well, thank you so much, Carl. I appreciate yeah. everything. We Good are times. So now thankful. I'm going to go close on that condo. <laughs> yeah, let's do that. All right, man. Well, well Savers, thank you again for listening. We're out, and we'll see you next time. Like what you heard? Make sure you rate us and subscribe to Taylor Well Saver Podcast. If you have podcast ideas or topics you'd like for us to cover, email us at podcast at tailoredwealthsaver.com.